Welcome to the live Universal Joint Podcast. Want to thank everybody who took part in our event over the past three days. First of all, we should start off with a thank you to Tammy and the crew at Storybook Destination. We've got Heather, we've got Audrey, and we've got Mukta, our special friendly assistant, right? Okay, cool. See, it's live. There you go. But what people don't realize when they're listening to these podcasts is they're thinking that we're just recording in separate spots. We have an audience today. We do. We do. And, and, we have and to again, sing and dance. And they've locked the doors, so you're not leaving. <laughs> All right. So this was the Universal Christmas with Jim and Dustin event. And... I mentioned the full name because in the months leading up to this event, at one point I mentioned to Drew Taylor that we were doing this. Yeah, your Jim Christmas Universal Wackadoodle event, which greatly amused our friend Mark. So he decided that something should be done to commemorate that name. So he actually had shirts made up. I have to say going ahead, I really feel like it, the, the future of podcasting events we do should somehow incorporate the word wackadoodle. Though I just heard today that, that somebody floated that they should be called the Jimboree, which I, I'm sorry, I'm leaning toward wackadoodle. You know what, Jimboree's um, already been trademarked. I'm not saying who trademarked it though. Okay. Cool. <laughs> you, you may be corralled into a future something. All right. Anyway, out ahead of this event, we held a contest and we ended up with a lovely Denise and her mom, Kathy. And also over the course of the event, we we handed out some prizes in honor of Denise being the winner. She got a brand new copy of the unofficial guide for 2020. Mark, on the other hand, uh, because he had come the furthest, he got our uh, a Disneyland unofficial guide for 2020. So we, we did the trivia and it was... Uh, naming all of the Universal Studios Florida attractions last night at the dessert party. Who won that? I couldn't remember. Roger got Roger. it. Roger, okay. So that, that was a fun way of, uh, of giving away a, a univer- or an unofficial guide. And to honor the masochist of the group, the one who has come to all three of our podcasting things so far, Clement, we got her a copy of the Theodore Geisel Dr. Seuss biography. Yeah. And we now, as we come to the close of at least, well, we, we have one more day of the event. We have our, our voodoo donuts. Yeah, we get to actually, and it doesn't even stop with this. What most people who are listening to the show right now are thinking, oh, we're, we're wrapping it up. No, we still have something to do later on tonight. So... Uh, what we're going to do after we record and after the, we'll touch base and talk about how great the Voodoo Donuts were and also how spectacular the uh, Hogwarts Castle uh, is going to be this evening. This is true with the Holiday Light Show, but speaking of holiday, I thought for our final giveaway evening, we should honor our Santa's helper, the, the, the person who has backstopped Nancy and I throughout this event with her, her amazing cart and its basket. So, Sharon, we have the very last copy of the unofficial guide for 2020. And, oh no, you're welcome. And, and again, it's, sorry, because of podcasting, you really can't, you know, we're not a vlog. Yeah. So you can't see Sharon's we should be recording this, lovely outfit, us. you know, it's, with a ribbon in her hair that I think can actually pick up Disney Plus, you know. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to do a quick recap of the event for those of you at home who missed out on the fun here. So we started on Friday night with a walkthrough of four of the resorts here at Universal Orlando with the idea to be able to see the holiday lights. So we started our evening over at Cabana Bay, had a lovely dinner, got to meet the bunch of the group. 
and immediately upon heading outside into the frosty, freezy weather. I was told it was Florida. I was told it was Florida as well, but like, I, I, I brought shorts and t-shirts and sunglasses and SPF 700. Well, you, you know when the guy from Canada is complaining <laughs> about cold. But we got outside and it was the first night using the mics and it was like, oh, we still had to learn how. And it turns out you couldn't have two people on the same mic at the same time. Yeah, so technology foiled us again. Please to tell the story about the lengthy car ride that you folks Oh, it was an adventure. It was an adventure. So what we did was we brought out our phone and we ordered a lift and we met this vehicle at the front desk and then we drove across the street. To Sapphire Falls. To Sapphire Falls. Didn't you guys get a message to the effect of... Uh, can, Are you de- sure? <laughs> your destination is very close. Yeah. You know, but. And, but we're talking about a, a resort where there's a lot of amazing paths and that kind of... They don't have crosswalks. Well, they don't have a crosswalk between Cabana Bay and Sapphire Falls and Aventura. Which yeah. I, maybe at some point in the future we'll build the land bridge, but... To get there, you literally have to wander the, the garden path. You have path. to jet across the In way. Fact, <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to say the adventurous half of the team. They joined me on a walk along the garden walk. We left Cabana Bay and we rolled over to Royal Pacific, and then we wiggled our way through the entire convention center that connects both Sapphire Falls and Royal Pacific, and then. Once we got back to uh, Sapphire Falls, we then continued on to the Aventura. And after looking or peering into the darkness at endless summer, I swear to God, I thought that hotel was lit up. Uh, we ended up upstairs at the Bar 17 Bistro, which again, on paper, was a wonderful idea. Yeah, on a rooftop bar, amazing views. But also Ice Station Zebra, with a heavy wind moving across. And, and But this group, they were game. They hung in there. We all had a drink and then went downstairs to thaw out. Very next morning, we jumped to Saturday. And again, what I love you know, about Tammy and her team did for us with this one, we ended up in the lounge space at Jimmy Fallon. Met at the gate at 8 o'clock in the morning, and Universal walked us straight in, and we had this spectacular view of the park. In fact, what was so fun is we were able to look down, you know, the very next, or that very night was the very first night of the Universal Holiday Parade with Macy's, but they were doing promotion that morning out in front of Macy's, so we were able to watch the film crews doing that. While we were upstairs and it was warm and it was quiet and we could drink coffee, I barreled through the history of the early history of Disney and Universal and how that's really incestuous. And then it was time to get out and walk around the park. So we strolled through the park. We did the history of what happened with the mummy in, in regard to King Kong. We stood outside of Fast and Furious and said terrible things about that ride. Yep. It's okay. It wasn't recorded. They can't prove anything. There we go. We headed over to Diagon Alley and spent a few, get some time there enjoying the holiday decorations and that. And then on Tammy's suggestion, we actually ducked into Men in Black and rode the ride. And God love us, Sharon turned out to be a sharpshooter. And so we actually got, you know, we got to see the Taylor ending of the attraction. I mean, I I won't lie to you, I have no hand-eye coordination that when I rolled up to the, the end of the game, I had... 22,000, which you, you can get basically by turning the gun off. <laughs> um, you know, Nancy get 44,000, and you had like 285. 285. But as great as that was, and it was great to see the tailor, 
What was your score again? It was 906750. Now, that, is there, are there photo evidence of this? She because does. In, she uh, okay, see, has photo that's, evidence. That's the thing, because in these types of events, anyone can say that they had over 900,000, because that's usually my go-to. Wow. And people say, oh, was there photo evidence? And it's like, well, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Anytime anyone gets a score that high, it usually involves nude photos of Steven Spielberg. And it just... Uh, <laughs> Or when it uh, when it closes, like when when you're in the right spot and the ride just randomly stops and you're like, okay, I see that target, I know that target, it's gonna happen. So we we then continue from there up Fastwood Boulevard, we get to Hollywood Boulevard, and again, what's what's amazing about uh, here during the holiday season at Universal is we we're doing the tour, but it is this crazy character greeting moment. I mean, what are we... The character Palooza. That's the only way to describe it. We will walk by Spongebob and Patrick singing my favorite new holiday song, Don't Be a Jerk, It's Christmas. We got Popeye, (laughs) we got Olive Oil, we got Dora and Diego, we got Gru and the girls, Agnes, Edith, and uh, Margot. And we even got Scooby-Doo and Fred, which yep. you used to tell a story. Yeah, we were talking about how there's a chance that, so we all know Epic Universe is coming. Uh, they have announced at least a logo. And we see, you know, construction going on. And one of the rumors flying around is that in that theme park is going to be a new classic monsters land. And Scooby-Doo is probably one of the, the best family-friendly examples of a, an IP that could potentially be part of that. We don't know exactly what, but the rumors that I've heard, and I've seen it on surveys and in focus groups, is a Scooby-Doo dark ride. Now, it makes sense because Scooby-Doo has, if you go and look through their catalog of cartoons, a lot of them involve Scooby-Doo and the gang being chased by ghosts. So is this a, a, a glimpse into what could happen? You never know. It really depends on whether or not Scoob, with exclamation point, does okay in, uh, in their release. I got to wonder it's, if it's going to be the same sort of situation as we've got the amazing Spider-Man attraction at Universal's Islands of Adventure and the brand new Spider-Man attraction that's being built at California Adventure. Because face it, you know, the, Dubai, the Warner Bros. Dubai Park that just opened has an amazing Scooby-Doo attraction. Yep. So after that point, we have lunch. The, the group goes its separate ways until we regroup in time for the Universal Holiday Parade featuring Macy's. Now, Tammy and the crew were nice enough to block out a spot right in front of Macy's, so we had a killer spot. But the interesting thing is when you get there early, they actually do on-site or pre-parade entertainment. So we saw King Julian and his dancers. We saw Marilyn Monroe. All right, so now the parade itself happens. And again, it was a cold gray day and with a raw wind, which made a, a parade with balloons very interesting. In order to, to do the parade route, they were keeping them so low to the ground that in a couple of instances right in front of us, they were dragging the balloons on the ground. Yeah, Gingy was actually like on the ground and they had to go in behind and actually like lift them up and you're just like oh i i thought those were balloons and then you realize that no it's because it is so windy and they employ people to be the the pilots but a lot of the staff that are holding the balloons are volunteers well uh, that used to be the case there was a time uh during the early early days when macy's was part 
of Universal that you, know, you could walk in the parade, hey, would you like to, to haul a Macy's balloon through the parade route? And you could sign up and volunteer, and they, they'd walk you into the soundstage where they had all of the balloons held down by sandbags, and you would get basically a 20-minute class and then set out of the parade route. Hold on. Yeah, well, then, no, and it's just, well, again, Comcast Legal eventually like, this is a very bad idea. We should not do this anymore. So That was Barney's fault, right? Wasn't Barney the one that um, met his end on... Uh, the New York. Yeah, he was taken out by a light pole. Yeah, yeah. it was it's kind of a sad end for the dinosaur. But even on a, a day as windy as it was, they still did both confetti and artificial snow, right? Yeah, we were kind of shocked that, you know, all of a sudden, halfway through the parade, confetti comes down. We're like, oh, wow, confetti. This is their version of Snope, which is the, the theme park equivalent, especially in Florida, of quote unquote snow. Last night, we probably could have had real snow. Just saying it was that cold. Yep. But um, then at the end, as Santa was coming around, they uh, they actually put real snow out there. The Tammy and her team had done such a killer job. We were dead center. So when Santa waved his arm and lit the tree, we were like, oh. But, you know, the weird thing is that didn't get the big reaction. What continually got the big reaction were the people walking up to the Universal Christmas tree right there in front of Macy's and seeing the squirrel. Oh, the squirrel. The most horrifying mechanical squirrel. That's a roadkill squirrel. I mean, it's just sort of like this little crunched, horrible-looking creature. And And it would pop out and then just, like, squeeze back, and we're just like, oh, wow. But it it was great to see the the joy, pure joy, on... um, I'm assuming former team members and annual pass holders who just absolutely love the idea of finding that squirrel. Yeah, yeah. All right, so anyway, after that, after a very chilly but a very memorable holiday experience, we all headed back to the the lounge at Fallon where we had a primo view of the Mannheim Steamroller concert. It was also live right next door, but it was so cold that um, they also stream it live into the thing. So it worked out perfectly. So we were able to sit inside and have a variety of beverages and great desserts. And I I will say (laughs) I I genuinely enjoyed the acapella group out in front. And I I admire Mannheim Steamroller. I don't necessarily like it, but I admire it. I admire the skill. I admire. Are you a a TSO, Trans-Siberian Orchestra fan? I'm a little afraid to admit that. It's all about the live shows. I guess so. I guess so. But the highlight of our evening was the fact that every so often, hashtag the panda would invade where we were holding our event. Yeah, and it was awesome. Like, flat out, I, I don't know if there is a better character live character in the theme parks than hashtag and you know you you see him on tv and you're like oh great he's jimmy fallon and every so often they'll do a skit when he is right there face to face with you and he is acting like hashtag panda like just just funny you can have full conversations with this panda and he doesn't talk he's game for anything we actually had a point during the the night when we were asking him how his night was going. He's like, you know what? I, I just can't have any more sweets. I have to, you know, watch my figure. And then we're just like, oh, okay. Well, do you, do you want some exercise? You should go outside. So we, we all went outside and we watched the, uh, the concert with him a little bit and then came back inside. And then we're like, oh, you should go over and say hi to Jim. And then he did. And it was great because uh, 
what you guys played poker a little bit or a little bit of like air poker well the, uh, someone lost a little bit more than the other but it's always nice to hang out with somebody who has more back hair than i do um <laughs> but and in fact when we did our break on saturday afternoon half the group went off and did Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. In Every fact, time you say that, a fairy gets its wings well, and we get another piece of stock. There we go. And I will say this, Nancy toughed out the line, which was two hours plus, something like that. And again, what's fascinating to me about Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure is everyone says, I had to stand in line for two hours. And then, but the next half is, it was the best ride I've ever been on. Yeah, you know, And it just sort of, you know, this weird balance between this was ultimate torture, but oh my God, it was great. But again, only half the group got to do it. So this morning, uh, Tammy and and Dustin took the rest of the group in. Yeah, we, we met early. Yeah. Like we were, we were there. So um, the way that Universal Orlando uh, Resort works is that one of the parks is usually available for um, extra magic hours, like early entry. That's usually never Islands of Adventure. So we ended up getting two islands at about 8.20 or so. They let us in about 8.40. We get to the back of the park. We do the run with everyone else to be like, oh, we have to get back there. We have to get back there. And as we're going, every so often, a team member will be like, just so you guys know, it's not actually running yet. We're like, okay, yet. No worries. And it just keeps going like that. It's not running yet. It's not running yet. And we end up in... I think it's the egg layer or something where a lot of the, um, like, it's just eggs everywhere. And we're sitting there like, okay, no worries. We're, we're going to be moving soon. 20 minutes go by and I'm like, okay, well, nothing's happened. So you start checking social media and you're like, okay, is, is, is anyone out there? <laughs> is, or, you know, any trains, anything like that? They wouldn't let us into the queue line if it wasn't working. And as we were going through, it took us a good hour, probably hour and a half. An hour at least before trains started to run. And then as soon as trains started to run, we got through there quick. But when you're in there, you don't realize, first off, how many electrical outlets are around. Uh, we had a lot of guests around us who were just like, I found an electrical. Who needs a charge? Uh, which was always fun. But it's, it's a very dark and gloomy queue line. Well, again, so, to be honest, a lot of that... Dates all the way back to Dueling Dragons. Dragons. I don't know how many of you actually experienced that queue where it's just sort of like you're you're going down into the mausoleum and you've got thousands of skulls. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, well, this is fun. We have to find out whether or not any of those skulls were used for the sign at Skull Island. Interesting point. Because that would kind of, you know, recycle. So we ended up um, getting through, once again, as you guys saw, the... The ride is incredible when it's functioning, but it is worth standing in line for two hours. Now, because we were there, though, we were in constant contact with the group. It's been like, hey, we're still here. We haven't moved yet. Don't worry about it. We'll meet you guys very soon. And uh, in the meantime, you guys met up at the front of the park. Yeah, and we, it was the beginning of... We uh, you know, uh, then marched down to the lagoon and... As we were looking across at all of the work that's being done and right now in front of the Jurassic Discovery Center, just got into the incredibly weird history of, of Universal's Orlando's second gate and talked quite a bit about Tuniversal, how at one point, you know, on one side of the lagoon, there was going to be 
Gotham City, and on the other side was going to be Metropolis, and across the and way. Looney Tunes. Yeah. Like, there is yeah. Yeah. everything could have been so different. Well, yeah. In fact, again, I was telling them about my, my favorite attraction that never got built, the, the Wiley Coyote, you know, where, again, you, yeah. you were riding on a, a, a firecracker. We then hung the left and headed it through Marvel Superhero Island. Sponsored by Disney, of course. In fact, if you talk with the folks at uh, Universal, one of the reasons that they've been digging in their heels uh, when it comes to the master licensing agreement. And again, Disney keeps piling up cash to Comcast and says, can we have this back now? And they're like, you don't understand that since you guys started the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the release of Iron Man in 2008, they have seen a 250% increase in merchandise sales in Marvel Superhero Island. In fact, the funniest part is if you go in there now, the shelves are stocked with toys from the Disney film. And it's just sort of like... Not, not even toys. We're talking about actual prints yeah. that are signed by the actors yeah. that star in these movies. And you're just like, really? $2,500 for like an Ant-Man poster? And people buy them. But again, it's, it's, it's money hand over fist. Yep. And, and the whole notion of, I think we've talked on the show about the Wicked idea. Yeah, Wicked taking over the um, uh, Incredible Hulk, which is why they repainted it like very green, but also... Well, it, it, it was kind of green already. It, it was, you but know, they added but, more. And then all right, but, also what happened in Universal Beijing, or uh, no, yeah, it's Universal Beijing that they just announced, right? That there's the... Or is that Universal Japan? I'm getting them all mixed up. But the, the one that they just announced how there's going to be a clone of the Incredible Hulk, but it's not going to be the Incredible Hulk. It's going to be Transformers. True. True. Okay. So they're, they're starting to realize that, that, that Marvel isn't going to be around forever. But from there, we head up out of uh, Marvel Super Hero Island. We head up to Toon Lagoon, and we actually got to break a bit of news uh, over the course of, of this tour. It turns out the the stadium there that, uh, you know, I mean, again, what did they use it for the... It was the old the, BMX. Well, um, it, it, it was a lot of things. It was the, the Toon Circus things for like six months. It was the BMX show. Uh, I've personally been in there for a couple of events for the uh, celebration of Harry Potter. Sure. Thing. In fact... Uh, one of my more embarrassing moments on stage was, I forget the gentleman who actually te- taught the wand craft for the Harry Potter movies. And we, you know, they, they literally, each, you know, he talked about the fact that every actor had their own individual way of wielding a wand. Some of them were gunfighters and some of them were swordsmen. And here's the gentleman who taught them all of this, this craft. And so he's doing this preview for the reporters so, all right all of you up on stage and again again you gotta so there's n- there's no group on earth that's quite as graceful as a group of bloggers so here he is trying to <laughs> teach us all so you take out your wand and you set your feet and you flick and it was like the dancing hippos from fantasia <laughs> the the poor man went, well well that's lovely now would, would you all get off the stage so I, and I, i'm gonna go backstage and scrub you, my eyes you tried yeah oh no it's don't worry, you, like it, it, it isn't on YouTube. Oh, no, if it, anyone it, has it, that footage, it is, it got, yes. this is the time to speak now. No, they use it to punish small children. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we came up to that stadium, we got to talk about the fact that in this world of the multinational corporations, we had, for example, Universal Studios Hollywood is just now finishing the exterior 
of the Secret Life of Pets off-the-leash attraction. And so it really wasn't all that much a surprise to learn that at one point in the very recent past, the plan was to pull down that stadium and to put a Secret Life of, a clone of the Secret Life of Pets attraction from Hollywood in there. Makes sense. That stadium, when you walk past it, you're like, oh, are they doing something with that? Well, it, it's a very big no, it's so, a huge. In fact, and it's would, also in a sight line. Like when you come around the corner, you look at it straight on. Mm-hmm. They were a month out from demo. And wow. then the honestly disappointing uh, ticket sales for Secret Life of Pets came, two came in. Yep. And they tapped the brakes. And in fact, right now, backstage in that same exact space, they're shooting the Leonardo DiCaprio the right stuff. Yeah, and we didn't have a chance to see it, even though we were walking right past the other filming set. See, that's what happens when you come to a live event with Jim. You, you, you have a possibility to see stuff, and then we find out the, the next day, and we're like, you know what we missed yesterday? Yeah. We should go back, because this is awesome. Yeah. But the, the trailers were actually out back of um, The Grinch. So, so all of those uh, production and everything like that, all just right back there in full view. Well, speaking of of construction, as we got through Toon Lagoon, Dustin was the one who led us through the rat warren that is known as the construction site at Jurassic Park. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, you can still enjoy the Discovery Center, you can still do the the, the river ride. Raptor Um, Encounter is still open. But yeah, in the new location. But but again, you've got that wall of the uh, construction fences that was kind of, when Nancy and I were going through earlier, they were doing this really cute photo op where it was one of these things where they had one of the the team members who was dressed as a somebody working at Jurassic Park and they'd pull a family together and they'd pose them in such a way that he had he like a, a net a butterfly net yeah. that they was going to catch the dinosaur and his partner in crime though what he was doing with the camera is that you know they were reacting like, oh my god this horrible thing and what he was doing is leaning into the shot this blue plush T-Rex, you know, again, just a, a child's toy. And it's just this wonderful juxtaposition of people that cheer fear. And it's like, oh, my God, the giant plush is going to eat us. Yeah. We see that a lot in um, when Jungle Cruise goes down. Oh. You, you have that kind of personality. And mm-hmm. it's great to see because some of those cast members have a blast with it. Mm-hmm. And the, the team members that we saw today were just, they were having more fun than the guests, I swear. <laughs> there were. Um, but, but actually, before we headed up into the Jurassic Park area, we stopped and talked a bit about how, uh, for example, uh, with Kong, uh, uh, Skull Island Reign of Kong, in an alternate universe, if the first year or two of Island's Adventure had, had gone a little better, that was supposed to have a Jurassic Jeep ride. Google Jurassic Park Orlando Jeep Ride and this crazy amount of concept art, the official stuff, I don't know who leaked it, but you can literally- but thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, you can literally look at the entire attraction. Yeah. Anyway, we, we end up over at the, the Wizarding World, and I once again share the story about how Disney lost uh, the rights to the Harry Potter books. You know, and again, 
Disney actually made a movie, you know, Saving Mr. Banks, all right, which which went at length about, you know, that the, well, you know, how difficult it is to deal with a, a, a female British author who's very protective of her character. I mean, they made a movie, all right, so clearly somebody remembered that this is going to be a little difficult. And so the fact that they learned nothing from P.L. Travers and when they, they were dealing with J.K. Rowling, and Universal played it beautifully. They just, they waited a week to 10 days after she'd pulled the, the rights uh, from Disney and just, oh, we're so sorry. You know, and by the way, have you, have you met Audrey Geisel? She's a lovely woman, Dr. Seuss, go talk to her. So, and then after that, uh, Nancy and I uh, split off though. She was remarking as we walked through uh, Hogsmeade mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't quite as busy as it had been on Saturday when she had uh, done Hagrid's. But we headed actually over here to the Sapphire Falls, to the St. Croix room, to get set up for the podcast. And you and Tammy took the group in to Grinchmas, which... But before that, we ended up heading up the uh, somewhat long line for some hot butterbeer. So we needed to make sure that we we tried this. So we went into the, what was it, the three broomsticks? And... um, they have two lines. They have the, the line for the food, and then they have the line for the drinks. And we ended up just waiting, seeing seeing everyone come in and be like, that's a huge line. We're like, yeah, just leave. It's okay. We, we get further up when you leave. And yeah, we, we had great. The, the hot butter beer is incredible. I don't know. I, I'm the frozen kind of guy, so I, I needed to try a little bit. But Well, I'm the diabetic, and it would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> but no, I've had it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, in fact, my friend... Seth Kaberski, who works for the Orlando Weekly, I mean, he he's like, the swallows are returning to Capistrano. The hot butter beer is back. The hot butter beer is back. Well, it's in the same vein as the, um, like, anyone who's a Starbucks fan. It's like, oh, it's pumpkin spice latte. It's like, uh, no, no, this is better. This is on so many different levels. So we ended up um, doing that and then looking at the time and realizing, oh, we have a show. So we ended up uh, booking it over to um, to Seuss Land, obviously seeing all the amazing Streetmosphere characters when they bring out the Who, um, all the Who population and uh, all of the, the characters. It was an incredible character weekend. I have to say that there's something to be said about bringing that life out into the streets. And I think that was uh, ever present, not just in, in Seuss Land, but also when we were over in Universal Studios, Florida. So we end up going into the um, the Grinchmas Hula Day Spectacular. And again, this is live theater, folks. It is. And it's um, you, you go in and it is bleacher seating. So you have a chance to, you know, really get comfortable with your neighbor. And um, the, the show starts and we're talking about day one, day two. They've done a little bit of media. They won't really hit their stride probably for another week or so. So there are a couple of things that happened. And the thing that kind of stuck out was that halfway through the the show, the Grinch brings Max out. And Max is on the front of the sleigh. Mm -hmm. And Max decides that he was going to go and take a walk. Although he wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an actor. He's a paid actor. Uh, so he was there. He, he darts off stage. His handler is like, I have no idea what's going on. So she jumps off stage. She was very like nimble when it came to jumping over some of the scenic display elements. But the dog was gone. Max was, he was around the corner. He ended up going underneath a little bit of the bleachers. And then everyone came back over, found Max. And then as we're all seeing this whole thing going on, 
the cast are like, we have to continue on because we have another show right after this. And uh, yeah, so they ended up finding Max just as um, the show was finishing. So as we were all going out, they actually had to reroute the first little bit of guests uh, to the center exit so they can walk Max back. Wow. And then everyone can go out that way. So it was, it was a, a really pleasant show for, for anyone who wanted to see Max take center stage. But the Grinch was great. He had a couple really good one-liners. He really played to the crowd. The set was awesome. Once again, it's live music. It's people singing live. It's live actors. You can see that there are a couple of things that they ended up you know, missing a beat or missing a, uh, a cue. And you just go back and you're like, okay, that, that shows me that they are real. So it was great. We ended up finishing there and then had a little bit of free time. And hey, look, that's where we are right now. <laughs> Forgive me for a very weird off-ramp here. Sure. you mentioning the issues with Max. And just recently, ABC Television did a two-hour-long special on Siegfried and Roy. And they were talking about what happened with Manticore. Okay. There have been all these stories since you know the sure. incident. And what they were talking about was that when what happened with with Roy Mm -hmm. was that, again, this is a show he had done literally hundreds, if not thousands of times, and he brings Manticore on stage. And the thing is, with an animal, you you literally sort of have to ground them on stage. So there was this behavior where, where Roy had to walk Manticore in a circle and then let him sit down. And it's like, okay, I know where I am. And for some reason that night, for the... First time ever, Roy just brought him out, and Manticore hadn't properly been grounded. And it's like, well, what the hell do I do? Don't we do the little walk around in the circle? And yeah. and it was that that sort of started the cascade that eventually. Yeah, it was the domino effect. And yeah, then... and I have to wonder with the trainer with Max, it's like literally, I'm sorry, we have to take him back this way to the stage and ground him and get him used. For the next show, I mean, you know. I also wonder if they, if Max is involved in the rehearsal, because we are. When you're talking about live music and live theater, there's a lot of those um, actors that are pros. That's what they do for a living. They'll go from this show to another show. They'll do Halloween Horror Nights. They'll do all of these things in the Orlando area, and they may be practicing for a long time, and then within probably the last couple of days, they'll bring Max in. But prior to that they'll have a plush toy and that plush toy will be like, just so you guys know, that will be Max. Max will be cute. Max will have this little antler on his head. And then they bring Max in and they're like, uh, Max doesn't want to wear the antler. So during the, during the performance, he actually did one of those, you know, nose in the ground and being like, I don't like this, this antler. And you're like, okay, maybe, Maybe we need to respect the fact that it is show, you know, day two or day three. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that, that's understandable. But, you know, the, the other thing, again, I just feel in a weird sort of way so bad for the cast of uh, Grinchmas because they have to do double duty. They yeah. have to actually do the performance and then they're out in the streets of uh, Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same You know, folks. And, the, and the same folks. And a couple of years ago, Nancy and I, uh, Universal, was very nice to fly the two of us down. We were there here for the holidays. And they actually, you know, they, we had seen, uh, I want to say, the parade over at Universal Studios Florida. And they bring us then through the backstage area. And they're going to take bring us into the back of the theater to watch Grinchmas. And sure. it just, but, but for a moment, it's just sort of like, okay, well, we got like two minutes. So do you guys want to use the restroom? And it's like, okay. 
So, you know, Nancy goes to her restroom, I go to my restroom, and I'm standing at the urinal. And so as I'm standing there, these two figures, I'm serious, I swear Come to on, God. Come on, the Grinch, tell me it's black, the Grinch. No, with black hoods on step to either urinal to the side of me. And it's sort of like, okay, this is unusual. And I can see the little, <laughs> yeah, I can see the little who knows the, the sticking out. The prosthetic nose, yep. And basically what the, it's supposedly because at this point they weren't letting them walk around outside in the park. Yeah. This was a couple of years ago, but so you know, definitely the who's were freaking people out backstage. So before they wanted to say, they had them, and it was like this Dr. Seuss meets Satan thing. It was... <laughs> was so disturbing and it, you know he came out to talk to Nancy and said did, did, did you have people with hoods and little noses in your your bathroom and it's like and Nancy's like we really need to adjust your medication so <laughs> well because I as soon as you said that I'm like oh they're they're coming back for that second floor trip when you saw the the original that could be that so, could be you, they're, you they're, know too much they're coming for me so <laughs> Uh, jumping ahead to tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a, a wrap-up event out in front of Voodoo Donuts. In fact, we're, uh, you know, again, I'm going to I'm going to take one for the team. We're going to, you know, the, the diabetic is going to try the Santa Donut, uh, which is actually a two-part donut. It's it's stuffed with um, Santa goodness. Uh, <laughs> we we saw it yesterday. It was okay. one of those things that you you have to go and be like. Do I want that or do I want one of the other 700 things that's in this, you know, spinning wheel of yes, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really impressed that Voodoo has a, a, a holiday specific thing and they're participating with Universal on this, well, on this level. It's you know, and really I, nice. What I love about the fact that Voodoo is at Universal is how they've overlooked certain parts of the early, early days of the Voodoo Donut Company. I mean, what happens in Portland stays in Portland. Well, that's the thing. It was that they, they, when they built the first Voodoo Donut, it kind of was on the outermost edge of, of Skid Row. And the thing is that, that what would end up happening is you had all of these these ladies and gentlemen who were two and three o'clock in the morning would need sugar and so they would show up and, and sell donuts to these folks and over time given the number of folks that were dealing with issues with opiates and that sort of thing they actually began to play into this and I swear to god I got the founder of the company to admit that at one point they sold a NyQuil donut and it just literally, they, they would gloss it with sugar and then put NyQuil capsules on the donut as if it were a decoration. And eventually, I guess, the Board of Health in Portland is like, guys, yeah. I, I, I don't think this is a yeah. good idea. Ny NyQuil doesn't belong on donuts. It belongs in the Flaming Homer. Oh, well, there we go. So, you know, the, just the fact that we'll overlook that. And, yeah. and more to the point, it turned out to be such a brilliant decision because oh, yeah. it's amazing to watch the number of people you see walking around the resort holding that giant pink box. Yeah, we call them friends. Oh, well, So we go up and we're like, hello, friends. I, right. I see that you have a box of donuts. So that'll be the tail end of the event, which Dustin has described as one of our podcasts on steroids. And yeah, well, we hope to do this again. This was great fun. We've It's such a great group of people here. We've really enjoyed doing this one. We have our folks listening at home, so wanted to end with some legitimate news. You know, that's, again, the great thing about being on the ground here, uh, you know, at the Universal Orlando Resort. We have friends who are sharing what's going on, what what we're going to be seeing. Yeah, we've got friends on the other side. Uh, Sorry, I had to do no, a little, no, uh, no, little no, Princess frog, and the Frog humor no, there. don't do that. What people don't realize, and it, it came up when we were talking about all the, the production going on, was that when you're down here... 
on on the ground. There's not a lot of uh, um, outside uh, interference coming in. You're in the bubble. So um, what we could probably do is we'll catch up with the news right after um, this this break. When we left off before uh, dinner got started here, we were asking for questions. And uh, we actually got a couple from uh, folks who attended the event. Uh oh. We'll start <laughs> off with Clement's question, which was the very first Universal Joint podcast that Dustin and I did. Evidently went live on April 20th, which 420. So. Yeah, so. But let's dispel the, the first mo rumor um, well, well, that well, people well, have... First of all, you know, again, the significance of the word, use of the word joint and the use of the numbers 420. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the, the name, let's be honest, is that it comes from a specific time period that was not my idea because I didn't... He's saying that the old fart came up with it. Just saying, time. it was one of those things that as soon as you think about it, a joint is a place that you go to hang around in. You're you're there to enjoy company. You're there to share stories and break bread and that kind of thing. Um, and yes, I was the one who, as soon as Jim sent over the name, I did a Google search, and the first thing that came up was the Universal Joint, which is like a a, a hinge, an auto part of some kind. Yeah, so it was a piece of building I material, me metal shop. But I'm pretty sure it's it's something made of metal. Yeah, so that was the first thing that came up. The second thing was, are you sure you're not you looking for marijuana? The third thing was, are you double sure? No. And I thought that we could get into at least the fourth spot. No. So no. we're we're still at four. Okay, but but again, I. I to Clements. That was not the intention, but I love that it's actually, that's how it happened. Yeah. Okay, moving now to Mark's question. Mark um, managed while he was on our event to get into the uh, amazing adventures of Spider-Man attraction. Oh, nice. And noticed that there's at least a couple of points of the attraction where you get to see Stan Lee. That, yes. For example, what, you, you saw Stan in the front, load, front loader, the, the garbage truck that's coming at you. Mm -hmm. You also get to see Stan at one moment fleeing into a theater yeah and then at the very end of the attraction when you you see the sinister sticks when they're all webbed up and you can see the statue of liberty being helicoptered back into place stan yeah. is in the crowd there yeah. i was told by the crew and again this was done for the 4k upgrade of the the ride film in 2012. Okay. I was told there's actually five Stanleys in it. In fact, really? at one point, uh, supposedly when you're being dragged through the sky by the Green Goblin, that as you look down into the New York Cityscape, there's an itty-bitty Stan running around. Aww. But to be honest, I'm kind of hoping that one of our listeners can come forward and tell us where the fifth one is. Yeah. The upgrade of the film is amazing. I remember talking with Thierry Coop about it, and he was so proud of the fact that, for example, when Spidey jumps in the, the hood of the, the scope or the, excuse me, the scoop, the, the, the ride vehicle, mm -hmm. and he points at you when they, the, the finger comes close to the camera. They, evidently, they spent weeks deciding on what the weave of the fabric <laughs> would be. I mean, it, it gets that close to yep. the camera. Now, when we were over, we ended up doing a ride on Transformers. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how close those two attractions really are. They're similar ride vehicle concepts, a lot of screens, but there was also a couple of spots in it where you don't realize exactly where the vehicle is going, which is a testament to the, the skill of the Universal Creative guys who 
put that attraction in. One amazing night, they, they walked me and four other journalists through a lot of attractions in the background, and, and they showed us where the two hidden elevators are in Transformer, and you never know in the ride yeah. when you're in the elevator. And the interesting thing is that the, the, the gap that separates when the, the vehicle, when the elevator comes down, and the vehicle rides off the track, the separation between the elevator and the other piece of track is an eighth of an inch wide. I mean, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's an amazing level of technology and tolerance. Oh, before I forget, though, we were talking Spider-Man, and again, yep. we're, we're talking the, you know, the, the great team at Universal Creative. There's actually a tribute to Mark Woodbury in the, uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man attraction. When Stan runs into a theater, okay. the marquee of the theater says that it's the Woodbury Theater. Oh, cool. It's the homage or ode to the, the person who's like, well, I, I made that. <laughs> also known as kissing butt of your boss. Absolutely. But anyway, okay, moving on. Terry asked about the Harry Potter theme park rights. Ooh. If you Google... Harry Potter Universal Licensing Agreement or Master yeah, the Master Licensing Agreement. This document will actually come up, and I want to say, oh, uh, it's huge! And in fact, you can get at the Marvel Master Licensing Agreement. And just recently, I was kind of startled to see that the Seuss, yeah, uh, uh, Seuss. Now the Marvel one, we did a deep dive, and we can't find the list of characters because it's an addendum. Denise and I were just talking about the fact that that's what makes that document maddening. Is yep. that you get all of this information about east of the Mississippi and how much what could be built 100 miles away from the park, but yep. can't get a list of the actual characters. Now, for Potter, if you read again this agreement for 2007, and I want to caution, it was the initial agreement. It starts off with one 10-year period. Sure. They then have an option to renew for another 10 years. And then after that, four five-year increments. And then it's... It seems to be now from a theme park point of view, it's a realistic thing to think that okay, Potter is popular now, yeah. and it may be in forty years they won't be as popular. We don't want to necessarily be locked in. Yeah, well, it's twenty twenty now. Yeah. Things change. That uh, land opened in June of two thousand ten. That's the original deal from two thousand seven. There's no language in there that talks about the Harry Potter land that opened in Hollywood. Likewise, the the deal for Tokyo, no, no mention of Diagon Alley. So it's entirely possible that there are other deals out there that have not, in fact, popped up online. But Terry was also asking about the DC deal that we were talking <laughs> today, Waterside at Islands Adventure at the Lagoon, about had they gone ahead with the Tuniversal project, there was Gotham City, Metropolis, you know, the Acme University across the way. Sam Genoway has written this amazing book about the history of the Universal theme parks. It's called Disney versus Universal. Oddly enough, I think it, it's also in an official guidebook, if I'm not mistaken. I think they, they're the ones who published it. But he actually talks about the fact that they made the deal. All Sid Scheinberg need to agree to pay was $40 million, and he got the theme park rights to the DC Car Library of Characters into perpetuity. Now, again, as I understand that the language was specifically for the Central Florida market, and when he passed on the deal, Six Flags came in behind them and got the rights to the DC characters over all their parks worldwide. I wonder if that deal was cheaper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, in so many situations, Warner's, in a weird sort of way, has as strong a library of films, as strong a library of IP. Nancy and I were just at an animation history event in Merrimack, New Hampshire, uh, about 10 days ago. 
and this woman did the history of all of the animation studios uh, you know in America from like 1915 right up until Walt died in 1966 you had this room full of animation diehards and it came down to the last five to seven minutes of the uh, the presentation and it's like hey so we're going to end the show by showing you a classic animated short and you have a choice between a Mickey Mouse cartoon and a Bugs Bunny cartoon and the room uh, literally it was a solid vote it's like we want Bugs Bunny because we want funny I don't know if you got to see the Saturday Night Live bit that was done years and years ago about the Disney vault and how Mickey was leading these two small children down into the vault. And Mickey's trying to explain it away. Haven't I made you guys laugh for years? And it's like, and the kids are like, you're supposed to be funny? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's only recently with that great new set of shorts that they're doing for the Disney Channel that Mickey has actually been funny again. So if DC were to be in the parks, that would have changed everything. Now, do you think DC is kicking themselves? Because the popularity that Marvel got with the exposure of billion-dollar franchises left, right, and center, and DC uh, can't put a, a movie out there to save their life, except for things like Wonder Woman, which was awesome. And, and, and remember, we are just shy of a billion dollars right now with Joker. Sure. And would you put money on, you know, the world coming out to a psychopathic clown movie a la Taxi Driver? You know, oh, come on, let's get the kids. But they had Suicide Squad come out, and that was a different Joker. It's, it's one of those things that looking in the future, the DC conversation could be a really fun one. Well, and speaking of the future, let's end with one last bit of news sure. here that we picked up actually over the course of this event. And we got confirmed while we were wandering around the Universal Orlando Resort that there are three attractions right now in the parks that they have told the staff that who work and operate these attractions that they are to be maintained but not upgraded. And these three attractions are Shrek 4D, Fear Factor, and Poseidon's Fury. We've talked in the past about how Shrek 4D, yeah. uh, it's quite likely that the DreamWorks Theater... Yeah, the black box. Yeah, uh, that, that we're going to... The, the film that was actually introduced two years ago on the upper lot at Universal Studios Hollywood, the... Uh, Kung Fu Panda and the Legend of Awesomeness or yeah. something to that effect. That's going in there. Now, Fear Factor, for the longest time, they were discussing that was going to be where the Ministry of Magic was going to be yep. built, you know, as part of the expansion extension of, of Diagon Alley. Yep. What they just did with uh, between adding the Hogwarts Express, which expanded uh, Hogsmeade's footprint, yep. coupled with the fact that with the changeout that we've just seen with Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. Ding. There we go. Now, there's still that the, the talk about them bringing in um, the dining experience in the Grand Hall. We can't overlook the fact that the eighth voyage of Sinbad closed last year. Yep. Theater standing empty. Well, we as we were walking back that way, the ships are still in there. You, you pull down your theater for yep. uh, you know, a voyage of Sinbad, and you continue to march down the hill, and Poseidon's Fury, you pulled that down as well. You open a giant piece of real estate. There was, at one point, the Forbidden Forest was on the table, but not just as a thing for the coaster ride through. It was literally, you were supposed to be able to walk out of Hogsmeade Village and encounter the Shrieking Shack. And you, want, you could actually, and the weird thing was the Shrieking Shack was supposed to be the cue that led you to the Whomping Willow. And then the Whomping Willow was going to be, <laughs> again, this is what I love about the Dumbo. 
You know, that, that it was literally going to be a spinner, and so yeah. you were going to be in the branches of the Whomping Willow. Um, but now to think that they're talking about potentially clearing out you know, that, that whole swath. Well, yeah, and that's Shre a big piece of the canvas. Shrek 4D is a, a huge piece because it's front and center. Mm. Fear Factor is a huge plot of land. Now they use it for Halloween Horror Nights for whatever they, they do, need to. They do. They use it for, for dance theater. Yeah. And not to add to further speculation here, but if you look at Epic Universe, uh, the Epic Universe piece of concept art, and again, having talked with folks who are working on the project about this, there is the the Potter building. And yes. in fact, what's fascinating, if you look at the piece of concept art, they deliberately put a fireworks explosion over that section of the art so you don't know how big the building is. But it has kind of a municipal feel toward the front of it. And initially, the thinking at, at Universal Creative is like, in much the same way that you put Hogsmeade in Isle's Adventure and you put Diagon Alley in uh, you know the uh, over Universal, Universal City of Studios Florida, Florida. Yeah. we should put a separate Harry Potter property in Epic Universe. So the notion of you have to go to these different parks yeah. to have the Makes complete. Sense. And so for a time, the notion was, well, we're doing this five film series, the Fantastic Beasts. Let's do a Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. But then, of course, what ends up happening with Fantastic Beasts is the first movie does great business, the second business does okay business. Warner Brothers gets cold feet, actually stalls production. In fact, we, we they just they just announced that they are finally going to begin shooting three this January. Yeah. And it will be out in theaters in 2021. As I understand it, the Ministry of Magic idea, because Universal is now a little concerned about, you know, do we really want to roll the dice and be invested in the the Fantastic Beast world? They're using the Galaxy's Edge argument. For yeah. You know, the argument is that, that, look, there are all these Star Wars fans on the planet who want to go to Tatooine, who want to go to Hoth, and where did you let them go? To Batu, a place that they don't know. Yes, the Millennium Falcon's there, and yes, you know, Ray is wandering around. And, yeah, and you know, blue beer and green, or uh, blue beer. Wow, we are at Universal with our beer. There. Blue milk, green milk, it's all there, but it's... But yeah, but but the, the notion that you've created this wonderfully themed space, but it's not a place I wanted to go to. Yeah. And so the notion of if you build something from the, the fantastic V space, whether it's the French Ministry of Magic or you're, you're in America, why not do the smart thing and build something that we legitimately want to go to? And that's the Ministry of Magic. And in fact, the argument of doing that is because you no longer have to, to accommodate the very, I mean, that's, I, I will tell you from it's having- all space. Well, I, I, I will tell you from having been there uh, when I used to work for the, uh, uh, the the American marching band folks and they would do their award ceremony at, at the uh, the Wild Wild West Theater. That's, a, I mean, literally from, you can walk out the back door mm -hmm. of the, the stage there and in five feet, it's the perimeter road. There yeah. is no space there. We're Great on, apartments behind it. Oh, That's no, no, where no. a lot of the team members go. live. It's funny. But, but to, if you're going to do a full-sized Ministry of Magic, Oh, why not do it up the street? Yeah, you know? when you have space. So, so that that's fun, and that's you know what what the Universal Joint is all about about thinking long term, thinking about what's coming, and also you know talking about the the news as it comes. Okay, that sounds like an end of a show right there. So, I, okay, well, I am getting the hint from Nancy. Okay, let's let's uh, all right, we're hitting the off ramp here, folks. So anyway, 
I want to thank everybody who came down to Florida to take the event. We have so enjoyed hanging with you guys. It has been such great fun. And hey, the fun's not over yet. we got to head out the door here and go see. Oh, in fact, we've been talking to Harry Potter. We're going to go see the Holiday Lights at Hogwarts Castle. Yeah, so. and we get to finish tomorrow with donuts. Oh, shucks. <sighs> Boy. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. And when Dustin and I get back home, we will get a new show going. But till then, thanks for listening, folks. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>